Well, I've got this uh, wire thing on. It's different. So bear with me as you get, I get used to it. Um, hey? Oh, yeah, that's the difference, you know. There's a security blanket holding a microphone. Just like there's a security blanket of all you guys sitting at the back and not coming to the front. Um, <laughs> yeah. Look, God's, uh, just what, God's doing some, as Brett said, he's doing some uh, good stuff with missions amongst us. And, and it is hard to, um, to know where God's really leading. I want to be sensitive because I believe as a church we want to um, do something that, that we all feel a part of and, and we want to really contribute. I mean, others are going to feel like they want to do other things and that, that's cool. Um, and so it is uh, just an, an interesting year of what God is raising up uh, with, uh, you know, with uh, Vineyard Church in Richmond. Uh, Jeff is, 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 is wanting us to really take over the youth side of Indonesia. Uh, that's a big ask. Uh, he's been ministering there for 20 years and he's been faithful in those 20 years to minister in Indonesia and he feels that we have what it takes to, to really go to another level with it. And so um, you don't want to drop that ball. So Jerry's hitting that one up uh, and, and looking at uh, just this year, looking to see, uh, to go over to Indonesia and how, how we can be a part of really what they're doing and what they are looking at. Um, but yeah, Jeff, is, is, is just, he just feels that, that uh, Bridgewater would be good to, to partake in that in that mission, and so we're going to look at that, that's in July sometime, and see how God can really use us in some way, uh, cross-culturally. Also, we've got Watoto coming back um, this year, uh, we're looking at that, and, and uh, Evie's, we're trying to look at how we can do that differently, um, we're trying a few tricks, <laughs> I'd love to get them into the high schools, and not preach to the Christians all the time. Um, preaching to Christians is good, don't worry about that. But uh, to really uh, see the young people in the high school say, hey, come on, if God can change a nation through these guys, maybe we could do something different in our lives. So that would be our goal if we can really get that settled. Um, just had some contact um, the other day with a guy that is um, wanting to connect us, maybe with some African pastors. In April, May, May, May. So all these things are happening, and then as Brett was sharing before, even our own lives, missions every day. How does that work? How do you how do you step into what God wants for you? How do you step into that? And that's the thing that that I'm I'm always looking. How do you step into what God wants? We can step into what we want, but when it comes to our everyday lives of, of, of family, of mission, mission locally, be it in the schools, be it at the workplace, mission overseas, how do you, how do you step into what God wants? How do you get a real sense of God's presence in what you're looking to do and what what God is directing you to do. When I um, 
was, I was just having a look and reading about some of the top CEOs in um, Australia. One of the things that, uh, and I was reading about this guy, some of you might have read it, about this guy in Qantas who was disgruntled about his own CEO uh, because he was the top dog for Qantas and he was told that they needed to mostly cut some people or people needed to take pay cuts. Or, so this guy worked real hard to, um, to, to get his main uh, flight, flight airplane guys that fly planes, I don't know what they're called, pilots, that's the one, good stuff. He worked real hard to, to kind of reduce their hours and um, cut costs. And he did that and thought they did a good job so that not many, no one really lost their jobs. But then on the other hand, the CEO took a, um, quit or kind of got moved on, but got a $10.9 million bonus for doing what he did. And so he was kind of trying to think, how do I kind of get all these guys to take pay cuts, but the CEO gets a pay rise and moves on? And he was trying to juggle that in his head. And, and I was just reading up on these CEOs a little bit and, and looking at what they do. And, and, and for me, there was, a, there was a difference of a CEO who had built the company from scratch and had m- moved into that position um, after discovering it himself and, and, and gone to a place where he oversaw the company. He was the CEO of the company um, he got a big pay rise. He got a big, you know, wage every day. Um, some of them were getting like, you know, eighty-six thousand dollars a day. Um, and so, how how they, you know, some of you are trying to fathom that. Yeah, so so am I. And, um, and and so how they, and I think that was the guy that was like ninth on the list. Eighty-six grand a day, and um, and and so there's these CEOs, but they had been bought in by these public companies. And for not doing a job real well, they kind of got asked to move on, but in, in being moved on, they got a kind of like a, a bonus of like four million or five million or something like that for not doing a good job. Yet these guys that had been there the whole time, uh, that were still CEOs, getting good money, there was something, to me, there was something that was justifiable about their wage, <laughs> if you could justify 10 million a year. Um, but there was a difference about them, I felt, anyway, in my own opinion, compared to those that had been brought in and maybe done a bad job and, and got a big wage anyway. There was a certain presence about what they brought to the company that they developed in and of themselves. There was certainly, could you say, anointing? And then this week we, we had Nelson Mandela celebrating, I think, 10 years of him being released from jail. 20 years, sorry, behind the times. It's nearly my age, that's why I don't know it's that, that much. And um, so we had 20 years of, of Nelson Mandela bringing uh, something different to the world and to the country that he grew up in and was a part of and how he, as a child, walked in that country, as a child um, was a part of it, as a, as a teenager and a young adult started fighting uh, for, for this, this area of apartheid. And so for when he was young, he, he started just walking into this place where he wanted to do something for his country. And then 20 years ago, well, 30 years ago or something like that, went to jail for standing up for what he believed in and uh, then reformed the country from inside the jail. 
and walks out of jail, now pretty much the president of South Africa. How that works, I don't know. But as I, as I kind of like click that over in my mind, there's, there's a certain anointing that was on his life. There's a certain presence on his life that he walked into and allowed it to be a part of him every day. And he walked into that and, and moved further up the line, you could say, or into a, a greater place as he continued to walk with that presence of what he believed in and what he wanted to do and who he was. And this morning, I want to speak on anointed and not appointed. Anointed and not appointed. And I want to look at, in some ways, walking in the anointing that that God has ordained for your life. Which I, I believe, in some ways, a lot of us, at times, maybe miss out on. A lot of us don't comprehend. A lot of us don't seek. Maybe we just don't understand it. And we don't have to fully understand it. But somehow there's an anointing for your life that God can take you into. And you don't have to be appointed that anointing. It's there for you. You don't have to get someone to give you that appointment of saying, here you are, you're the leader. Here you're the pastor. Here you're going to do this, you're going to do that. People can see that, but they don't have to necessarily kind of like, you don't, you, know, you don't have to sit back and say, well, I want to be a pastor, so could someone anoint me to be a pastor? Or, or I, I, I want to kind of like be kind of like a, a high school worker. Could someone anoint me to be a high school worker or, or, or things like that? So you don't have to have that appointment, but somehow walking into the anointing that God has for your life. And, and in Samuel uh, chapter 10, we, we have, uh, in 1 Samuel, we have two people that were anointed by God to do a, a, a magnificent task ahead of them. And in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 10, uh, we see the anointing of Saul. And it says in verse 1 and 2, And then Samuel took a flask of olive oil, and he poured it over Saul's head. He kissed Saul, and he said, I'm doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his special possession. And so we here we see Saul being anointed. Well, there's a different dynamic to Saul's anointing than to where we come to the next anointing, where we, we get David in 1 Samuel chapter uh, 16. And it says in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 16, uh, from verse 8 through to 13, it says... So just bear with me a little bit. Uh, 1 Samuel 16, uh, verse 8 through to 13. It says, Then Jesse told his son, Abinadab. Oh, can you say it better? <laughs> no, that's good. Yeah. Oh, be quiet, Roger. Then Jesse told his son, Abinadab, to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. I can say Samuel. But Samuel said, This is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shemir, but Samuel said, Neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all 
Seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? He's like, wow, I'm disappointed. You know what I mean? Got to have more than this. There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. He's already walking in his anointing. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. So here we see two people being anointed. One we see Saul, who was anointed with the special possession of Israel. Wow, big job. And his job kind of lasted a little while until he walked out of the anointing and disobeyed God. He decided he'd do it his way. There was a difference of anointing when you start looking at what God did there. And then we get David, who became the king of Israel, whose job was to unite a nation and take them to war, take them into a spiritual battle. And David walked in that anointing even before he was anointed. If you had uh, just looked there, he was out already doing his job. And that's what I love about David's anointing. David wasn't necessarily waiting for the special appointment, but the anointing had already come. The anointing, he was just going about his father's task of looking after the sheep. His own dad had, had called him, you know, you're the youngest, so go look after the sheep. He was already doing that task. He was already learning what it was to obey not just his, his, his biological father, but he was also now learning to obey, in a sense, his spiritual father right here. And so he was walking into that anointing. And, you know, I think what I want to say this morning is that we don't need an appointment, but there is an anointing each of us can walk into. It's just a matter of us saying, do we want to walk into the anointing that God has for us? If you, if you look at that, that special possession that, that Saul got given, and yet you look at Saul's disobedience, yet God still gave him an anointing. God still allowed him to see a little bit of the greatness of his own kingdom. And yet the word of God puts us in a more of a special place, I believe, in the New Testament than he did with Saul and he did with David, that God allows us to somehow embrace a greater anointing than what some of these guys were able to walk into. He, he was, these guys were kings. The word of God tells us in the New Testament that, that we can work, walk into the anointing where we are holy priesthood building a spiritual house. You know, I love it when I read the first few verses of, of every chapter in the New Testament or on the, in the epistles or letters because it tells us the anointing or, or the presence of what we can walk into. It tells us there that we belong to God. We belong to Jesus. It tells us that we are the children of God. It puts us in a place or in an anointing where we can say, this 
is what we have. This is who we are. It tells us that. And those, it tells us that we are sanctified or we are set apart. That means we are different than anyone else. It gives you that place or that presence of where you can come to God and say, I'm a child, I belong to Jesus. It says that you can be a holy priest and you can offer up spiritual sacrifices, not physical sacrifices that they did in the Old Testament, but you can actually offer up spiritual sacrifices of worship. You can, you can offer up the fruits of the Spirit. You can, you can partake of the spiritual kingdom and, and, and try to bring others into that kingdom, something no one else can do. No one else can do. And so God allows you to, to walk into this place which is far more than what you could ever have or have dreamed of without, if you didn't know Jesus. The Word of God tells us that we, we follow a royal law in James. This law is, is a law for a king. And it, he doesn't say it's just a law of rules and regulations, but he also tells us in James that it's a law of liberty. Of freedom. This law, these values of the kingdom bring freedom into your life. And it's fit for a king, and you can partake of that kingdom. And so here's this anointing that you yourself can walk into. This, this anointing. You don't need to be appointed this position, it's yours to take. When you feel down, when you feel lonely, when you feel rejected, the Word of God says you are a child of God. The Word of God says that you belong to Jesus, that you now can identify with Him. It gives us that place. But, but it's a matter of us wanting to walk into that presence. It's not, it's not about... A position. When you are appointed something, you're appointed a position. When you are anointed something, you walk into that presence of what God has for you. The Spirit of God moves and you want to move with the Spirit of God. You want to allow the Spirit of God to use you, so you want to move with the Spirit of God. That's what I was saying before. We, we, we're starting to develop or, or look into this whole area of, of missions outside of ourselves. And so we've got to say, what is it that, where's the Spirit of God moving so that we can be a part of what God is wanting us to do? That's what we've got to ask ourselves. And so we've got to move with the Spirit of God. We've got to walk into the presence. We've got to want to walk in the anointing that God has for us as a church. I just find it interesting that over the last few years, um, that God has uh, kind of done a real different work in my own life and in the life of the church because you know, we've had a few people come in and they've come and they've gone or they've been a part of us somewhere along the line. Uh, some of them aren't here. But, but at different times, people have come up and they've said, the anointing of the youth is in, in this church. This church is anointed to reach the youth of the Hawkesbury. And I know I've, I've kind of 
Always wanted to be a part of reaching youth. I didn't really know how that would work. Tried many tricks. Some have failed. Some have done all right. But tried many tricks. And it wasn't that I just wanted to reach the youth. It's just that I know I came to faith my own self at a young age. And thought, and I know in looking at statistics, people come to faith younger than they do come older. So I wanted to make my work easier and not harder. I think that's kind of smart, don't you? And so I just thought, well, I'll try and see if more young people want to come to faith. And, and then, but in the process, we've connected with, with, with adults and, and, and older people, and they've come to faith, and that's been awesome, and God's used it. But along the way, people have, have said at different times in different places, the anointing of the youth is, is on this church. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Lots of people are reaching youth, you know what I mean? It's not just Bridgewater. And so, and then, but then you get someone like Jeff, and he says, Man, I, say, I want you guys. I want you guys to come to Indonesia and to look at taking over the youth there and seeing what you can do and seeing how you can be a part and how you can help. That's a big ask. That is a massive, here's a guy who's worked there for 20 years, and he's not giving it to his own church, he's giving it to us. It's, I, I take that responsibility seriously. And then we get, we get other guys coming up to me, and they're saying, I want you to train my youth. I want you to train my youth. I want you to see if you can get them to catch what we have. And this week alone, I've met with three people on that angle. And I'm thinking, well, what do we do? We're going to come up with something we do. Someone write a plan. Someone write a program. But I don't know necessarily that we've fully programmed it in. But I think we've, we've, we've just gone where God's wanted us to go and we've sought to see where is God working. We've walked into the anointing of what God wants for our lives. Just like Samuel was, was anointing David, yet David then just started going about his business. And if you look at it, David went and he, he danced for the king, Saul. He, he continued to look after sheep. He looked at, at Israel when they backed down from the Philistines and they were too scared to kill Goliath. And he scratched his head as a little boy and thought, you bunch of girls. No, sorry, ladies. No. What did he, he didn't say, he kind of, yeah, he said, he said what, what are you, chicken? That's a better word to say it, isn't it? Not you bunch of girls. He said, what are you, chicken, what are you doing? We serve the living God. He knew that he could be victorious because of Jesus and or because of God the Father. He knew he could be victorious. So he decided, you know what? I'll put myself under the anointing of God and I'll go out and I'll cut Goliath's head off. If you can't cut his head off, I'll do it. You see him, eh? Frustrated. You see, once he, I mean, could you imagine the intensity he would have when he's killed Goliath? He picks up Goliath's sword and thought, mate, your head's gone. I'm going to take all of it. And in front of the whole of Israel, I could, man, that's a big chop. That was either a, a real sharp sword, because if it was blunt, boom, oops, oops, oh, you know, hacking away for a 20, you know? So, you, so he's like, well, I'm not doing a good job with this sword, you know? And, and so yet here is, is David. He, he didn't, you know, he's been anointed by, by Samuel, but he didn't need the position to say, 
hey, I'm king, I'll go do it. He just looked at everyone else and said, no one's doing it. No one's walking under the presence of God. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to get out there and I'm going to kill Goliath and I'm going to bring Israel to victory. That's what I'm going to do. No one else wants to do it, but I want to I have a go. Man, I, you know, I've looked after sheep. I can kill a giant. I can do that. See, he was just, he was looking at what was happening, and he was just putting himself in the anointing. He was putting himself in the presence. I'll have a go. Even though no one else is having it, I'll put myself there, and the presence of God will fall, I betcha, and I'll have the victory. See, that's the challenge of us, I believe, walking into the anointing of God. If you've never walked into it, put yourself out there somewhere for a week somehow. Ask God where he's moving, how he's moving, and just step into it. Step right into it and see what God does. Just put yourself in there. One of the things about someone who wants to walk in the anointing of God is that he will keep himself close to God, so that he doesn't become cut off. I believe someone who wants to walk under a greater anointing of God has to keep himself real close because he knows that moment that he steps away from God, he could fall apart at any time. His life could fall apart. He could go back into the same old ways of which he come. And so a person that works under the anointing puts himself at a place where his relationship and his, his walk with God and, and staying close and walking with the Spirit of God is, is, is a regular, fundamental, daily practice of his life. He knows he could lose it. He knows he could fall away. He knows he could become critical. He knows that he could become very judgmental. He knows that he could become very unloving. He knows he could stop giving of himself. He knows that, that it would be struggles in his family, that it would be struggles in his workplace, that it would be struggles with his Christian friends. So he keeps close to the anointing. He keeps close and walks in the presence of God. David didn't need to be king to walk under the anointing. He actually acknowledged, he acknowledged Saul as king. He twice, he, David had every opportunity to kill him, to kill King Saul as King Saul chased him. He, 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 he kind of snuck up behind him, cut a bit of his robe off and then says, oh, look, I got your robe on top of the mountain where, you know, Saul couldn't get him. But he could have killed him. He got his sword while he was asleep. Twice he acknowledged the king, but he still walked under the anointing and said, you're still king. You are still king. He did not need a position. He did not need to be appointed. David still continued to walk 
in the anointing. When people chased him, when Saul chased him, he still walked under the anointing. See, the difference between someone that gets appointed and someone that gets anointed, the person that gets appointed works from a very good programmatic structure and copies something so he kind of feels secure and does it that way. With the person that walks under the anointing, walks in a a very different place where one, I said before, is so close to God that everything seems so abstract. Everything seems so different because he's waiting for the Spirit of God to move and everyone's saying, do you know what you're doing? No, I don't know what I'm doing. Because he's walking by faith, he's trying to grab and see where the presence of God is working and how it wants to work in his life. And then when he feels it and he gets it and he goes, this is it, this is what we're doing. And everyone goes, wow, how did he get that? But that was good, revelation, he got wisdom. He goes, I don't know how he got that. See, he walked under the anointing. And he didn't necessarily walk in the place of appointment where he had to copy something or or program something, but he walked so close to God, it was like he was on the edge, not even really knowing where he was going because he's waiting for the Spirit of God to show him. He's waiting for the presence of God to move in a different way so that he knows and he can move with God. That's a difference, I believe, about someone walking under that anointing compared to someone waiting to be appointed or working out of an appointment. I was talking to someone just the other day, and they were saying uh, how they were, they were just looking at this avenue of uh, this church they were a part of, and uh, they were looking at um, uh, getting a new pastor in this church, and, and, and he was just saying, you know, I'm just looking at what the church wants. And he said, I think they want an administrator. That's what they want. They don't really want a pastor. They want an administrator. So you can appoint an administrator. It's not hard to do. Bridgewater could appoint an administrator. We could say, you know what, Rog? Uh, we don't like the way you function, which is cool. Well, I'm okay with that, you know? That's between you and God. You've got to deal with that in heaven, not me. And we could say, Rog, we, we want someone new. Because so we want to appoint someone so that they can run this and they can run that. And if that's what a church wants, then they can appoint an administrator. That's not hard. But to actually look for someone that is already walking in the anointing of what God has for them, that would bring a totally different realm. That becomes a totally different challenge. Because for someone that, that is not, well, they could be an administrator if, if, they're, if they're a pastor, they could be that way. But for someone to walk in that realm, then the church walks on an edge with him. Because he, he might not be a, as what they exactly wanted. Hey, he's not doing exactly what we wanted. We appointed him a position, but he's not doing what we appointed him to. But see, when someone walks under the anointing, they're they're walking so close to God that they're walking by faith day to day. They they, they could have a a bit of a plan for five years, but they're also walking very close 
day to day. See, I believe that at the time that you came to faith, somewhere you walked into the anointing and encountered God. You. You experienced God somewhere at that place when you came to faith. There was a certain anointing that you, you, an encounter, an experience, a presence, however you want to put it, that you walked into somewhere, somehow. God reached you and you walked into that anointing. And that anointing is still there for you. Some of you might have walked away from it. Some of you might have gone and done other things. But there's still that anointing that you can walk into. And you could be just like David. You could be out doing the sheep. You're still under the anointing. You could be out killing the Philistines. You could still walk in the anointing. You could have the king against you. You could have Christians against you. You can still walk under the anointing of what God has for you. See, the difference in the anointing with David, and one thing is that, 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 that Samuel said was that, that man looks on the outward where God looks on the inward. Whereas when, when Saul was, was appointed and anointed, for some reason, Israel was saying, we need a king like the other nations. They were looking for what man had already appointed and developed and programmed in. And they were wanting to copycat that. Whereas with David, Samuel said, oh, it's not that son, it's not that son. Come on, Jesse, you must have something better than this. He says, whoa, there's the man. God's looking for a man, not that's got external attributes. He's not got the qualifications of a CEO. He's not necessarily the kind of out there person that everyone's looking for. He's got these kind of qualifications. God is looking for a man that's heart is tender and soft to what God is doing. Tender and soft. And the man that wants to walk in that presence and in that anointing. And you, you can start walking in that anointing today, I believe. You don't need to be appointed something. The anointing's here. You just need to say, I'm going to step into it. I'm going to step into what God wants. You are going to have to be very, very close to Jesus so that the Spirit of God, you can hear Him, you can feel Him, and you can experience him. And you can love him. That anointing's for you. You don't have to wait for it. Just keep obeying the voice of God. When God challenges you to pray, pray. When he challenges you to forgive, forgive. When he challenges you to do something, do it. You can walk in that presence. It's not just for those that have seemingly got an appointment of some position. It's for those that just want to walk and put themselves in a place where they're anointed because they're allowing the presence of God to work in them. Amen? Let's just stand. I'm going to finish in prayer.
Jesus, you just put yourself right out there for us. You walked in obedience in unison with the Father and with the Spirit. You just went out there for us. And you put yourself under the fullness of the Spirit, of the baptism, of letting God the Father and the Spirit work in your life. You were anointed the King, freer of law, freer of sin. Jesus, we want to thank you. But more than thank you, we want to walk into that anointing that you have for each person this morning. And we want to let the Spirit of God direct our paths every step of the way. I pray, God, that this morning each person would want to walk under the anointing that you have for their lives. That each person would want to let you use them in whatever way that you choose. I pray that each person would put themselves out there, be it in prayer, be it in fasting, be it in ministry, be it in mission, be it in sacrifice. They would just put themselves out there so they can get a sense of your touch. Your touch, God. Where they are so far out of their comfort zone, they can't but help hope that you work because they've got to live by faith. They've got to trust you. So I pray this morning that each person would want to put themselves in that place. And I pray this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen? Amen. Amen.